I paid him extra to say that. So uh, welcome to Crossing. So good to see you here today. I also want to welcome our Southeast campus, those who are watching online, our microsites. Can we give them a big hand? Welcome them. Glad you're part of the Crossing family. Well, I just got back from Israel with 39 people from the Crossing. We had an amazing trip. Um, I, I just need to tell you, when you walk in the footsteps of Jesus, it just does something for you. And so it was just a really great trip. I'm going to be leading another trip this next November. And so I tell you that just because I want some of you to think about going with us. It, was, it is a trip of a lifetime. And so just begin to think about it and ponder that. And before we jump in, I just want to tell you about a few things. Number one, thank you for your generosity in giving the gifts. Here's what I love about what we do with the gift giving is our partners, we will set up all of those gifts and the parents of the kids are going to be able to come in and shop for their kids and then to be able to give a gift with dignity from them. And that happens because of your generosity. So thank you for your generosity. And in addition to that, Throughout the month of December, we're receiving our Christmas offering. This is something we do every year, not only to prepare us for the next season of ministry, but for us to come alongside and bless some ministries and some organizations outside of us. And this year, our focus is on church planting, that we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And the best way to reach people, the most strategic way to reach people is to start new churches. The Crossing was started 17 years ago, and you've seen the impact that we've been able to have, and so we are investing money in some new churches. We picked three churches on the West Coast. Uh, the first one is Downtown Faith here in Las Vegas that we're going to be able to come alongside them, and then two churches in the Bay Area, Centerset Church in the Silicon Valley, and Bay City Church in San Francisco, and in addition to that, we're supporting several of our local ministries and partners here on the ground. And so here's my ask for you, that if you call the crossing home, would you consider giving a year-end gift? That many of you give on a regular basis here, and so this is just part of your normal pattern, your normal routine. But for others of you, this may be your first time to give to the purposes of God in your life. And so when we come together, we see God do amazing things when we partner together. So we'll be receiving our Christmas offering through the month of December. And then here's the last thing, is that our Christmas services are just 13 days away. Guys, it's time to start your Christmas shopping, get that done. But we have an amazing service planned for you. And I hope you're thinking about who you're going to invite. This is the easiest inviting opportunity of the year. I was reading an article this last week that said that 80% of people who do not go to church said they would consider coming to a service if someone invited them. So invite them. Have somebody on your list. And so we have a tool for you to kind of help you. We have these invite boxes that we have ordered. And these are for you so that you can invite a friend, that you can bake some cookies, put them in this, some brownies, take them to a neighbor, a coworker with an invite, and just say, hey, I would love for you to come and attend a service with us. That uh, These are a buck a piece, and you can get them in the lobby. And if you don't have cash on you, just take them, because we would rather have you have this tool to be able to invite some people to come with you. Well, we're in the second week of a series that we're calling Born for This, that every year we try to take the, leaks, the weeks leading up to Christmas and revisit the Christmas story. Here's the reason we do this. 
The reason that we do this is we want to prepare our hearts for Jesus. Now, if you start shopping, they usually start playing Christmas music about September or October. We're not quite ready for it yet. But if you're like me, I mean, you're at the time of year where you start tuning in to the Christmas channels because you want to get into the Christmas spirit. We do the same thing here, that we believe that we have to be intentional about preparing our hearts for Christmas, about preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 1. Lee did a great job last week of entering this Christmas story in Luke, and we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. And here's what we learned last week is that God does his best work in the waiting. You might be in a waiting season of your life right now. And God does his best work during this season. Well, today we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And we are introduced to our main character of today, and that's Mary. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why did God choose Mary? She's inexperienced. She's just a teenager. She doesn't know anything about baby care or prenatal checkups. But of all the women in the world, God chose her to carry the very Son of God. And before we talk about that, I want to talk to you about what Mary is not. Because Mary gets a lot of attention. But if you think about it, we really don't know much about her. In fact, if you compile all the scriptures about Mary... You wouldn't have enough to even come up with a short biography. We don't know anything about her life before Jesus. We don't know how she raised him. We don't know when she died or where she died. She appears in the story of Jesus' birth, and she makes a few cameo appearances after that. But she rarely has a speaking part. A time or two she's mentioned in the, gospel, in the Gospels, and she's mentioned one time in the book of Acts, and that's about it. But it's ironic that throughout history that the church has made a really big deal about Mary. That we have made her more than scripture would tell us that she is. And I think that we've made her more than Mary would ever want to be. And there's a few ideas that have been taught about Mary that are not found in the Bible. One is that Mary was sinless. And here's the idea, is that she was sinless because if she had sinned, that she would somehow contaminate Jesus. And so therefore, Jesus is not the only sinless person. Mary was as well. But here's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the only one who is qualified to be a sacrifice for our sins because he's the only one who ever lived a perfect life. There's another title that's given to Mary. It's this title right here, co-mediator. And here's the idea is that, that she is a mediator between us and God. And so, therefore, we pray through Mary so we can get to God. Well, look what the Apostle Paul teaches in 1 Timothy. He says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all the people. That when we pray, we have direct access to God. You can go directly to God with your prayers through Jesus. 
We have direct access to him. Well, there's another title that's been given to her, and it's co-redemptor. And the idea here is that somehow she is part of the redemption process, that redemption happens through Jesus, but it also happens through Mary. Look what, look what we are taught in Acts chapter 4. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other name. Look, if there was any other way besides Jesus to be saved, then why would God send his only son to this earth? If, if there was some other way, then the sacrifice, the cross, the pain, and the suffering was unnecessary. Mary is an amazing woman. There is a reason why God chose her, and we're going to talk about that today. And there is a good reason to honor this incredible woman. But it would be wrong for us to worship her. And it would be wrong for us to give her titles and give her a position that is reserved for Jesus and Jesus alone. And as we study Luke chapter 1, there's really only one title that she wants to be known as, and it's a humble servant. So we're going to pick up our story, Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel to Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Now, Elizabeth, we talked about her last week. Remember, she's married to Zechariah, and they end up having John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is sent to prepare the way for Jesus, that he's out in the desert and he's preaching about Jesus, saying, prepare the way because he's coming. John the Baptist was the one who was baptizing in the Jordan River. John is the one who baptized Jesus. Now, when we were in Israel, I actually got a snapshot of John the Baptist. This is an actual picture. We were doing baptisms in the Jordan River, and I had no idea that John the Baptist paddleboarded, but he did, and he was, he was kind of watching our baptisms here, and he was here in this, this scene. You probably didn't even know that that existed. Now, I didn't Photoshop this. This actually happened. I thought it was kind of fun, but let me show you this next picture. This next picture is us standing in front of Nazareth. This is all Nazareth behind us, that Gabriel comes to Mary and Nazareth. Today, Nazareth is a town of about 100,000 people. But back in the first century, it was this small, insignificant town. It sat on about 10 acres of land. It had a population of about 300 people, and half of the people would die at childbirth. And the life expectancy for the other half would be about 30-something. So it's in this small 10-acre town of 300 people, this is where Mary lives. And God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, and then we'll pick it up to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Greetings to you who is highly favored. See, this is a bit surprising that this is the title that he gives to her because if there are two words to describe Mary from a worldly perspective, it wouldn't be highly favored. See, the world would probably think that you're completely overlooked. You're completely overlooked. But God highly favors those the world completely overlooks. And so Gabriel shows up to make this announcement to Mary. And it says, here it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words 
and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Because what she's about to get, we'll understand why she's greatly troubled and wondered. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. This is what angels always said when they showed up. Their first words is, do not be afraid. Why is that? Because you would be afraid too if an angel just showed up and started talking to you. He says, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. It's the second time Gabriel has said this. It's the second time this angel has said this, that you are highly favored, that you have found favor with God. It goes on, it says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. I mean, this right here, this is making some incredible conclusions about Jesus. This is not some ordinary announcement. There is a lot of people who say that Jesus was a prophet or that Jesus was a miracle worker or Jesus was a good teacher. Everyone I know loves the teachings of Jesus, but that's not what the claim is here. The claim is not that he was just a good teacher. The claim is that he is great, he is the son of the Most High, and that his kingdom will never end. Now, Mary's reaction wasn't, no kidding, that's fantastic news. I cannot wait to tell my fiancé, Joseph, that I'm pregnant. That's not what she said. Nor did she respond, you know, I, I knew this. I was just destined for greatness. She's confused. I mean, she is troubled by all of this. And then it says this. She says, how will this be? Mary answered the angel. Since I am a virgin, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, speaking about Elizabeth. For no word from God will ever fail. I don't want you to miss this. No word from God will ever fail. See, I think for some of you, this is what you need to hear today. Because the truth is, some of you walked in here and you're just trying to hold on to your faith. You came in here because you just needed hope. Because you feel like you don't have any hope and you came in here just hoping maybe God would speak to you. Here's what I believe is that God is always speaking to us. And here's what I've learned throughout the years. I've done this for a long time. That I no longer think of this just as a church service. I no longer think of my job as just teaching you. I believe that part of my job is to help facilitate you having a moment with God. And this is not the only time and the only place that this happens. But I've learned that God speaks in this setting. That God meets us here. And here's why I believe that that is. I think it's because we get all the distractions out of our life. We have so many distractions and so many things, and it's the one hour a week that we come and we set aside all the other distractions and we focus in on God. And when we do that, God shows up. And maybe you just need to be reminded today that no word from God will ever fail, that God's promises to you are true, that God promises to be with you, to never leave you, to never forsake you, that no word from God will ever fail. Well, here's how Mary responds. 
She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, this is what Mary wants to be known as. I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever you say, I'm here. I'm available. Whatever you need from me. See, the greatest thing that you can do in your life is just to say this. I'm just God's servant. Whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, whatever you ask of me, I will obey. This is what Mary says. Just may it be according to your word. Well, I want to just backtrack. I wanted to show you this one verse because I think this is the key verse in our story right here. It's this right here. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. And so the question for us is what is it about Mary that brought God's favor? What is it about her life that God said, you're the one I can trust? You're the one that I highly favor. What was it that marked her life and invited God's blessing? Because, see, I think all of us have this deep desire for God's favor in our life. That you want, you want that kind of life that God blesses. You want to have the kind of family that God blesses. So what is it about Mary that brought this favor from God? Every year, um, Forbes magazine does all of their different lists. You know, they talk about the richest people in the world. And, and one of their lists is they list the world's most powerful people. And here's what they said this year. They write, there are 7.4 billion humans on planet Earth, but these are the 74 men and women who make the world turn. I'm not on that list. My guess is you're not on that list either. But they explain in the article what the, the criteria they use to help make their decision of the 74 most powerful people in the world. And they have four criteria, and this is it right here. Number one, they ask, does the candidate have power over lots of people? That's question number one that they ask. Question number two, what financial resources does the person control? Number three, does the candidate have influence in multiple spheres? And then number four, how actively does the candidate use their power? This is, this is their criteria that they use. So how does Mary measure up to their most powerful list? Because for Mary, you know, you would, not, you would think that, that God, the creator of the universe, when he is sending his one and only son into the world, that he would use some powerful people to do it. But Mary had none of those things. She's not a person of power or influence. She controlled no financial resource, resources. In fact, Mary and Joseph are so poor that when they take Jesus to dedicate him, they didn't have enough money to buy the proper sacrifice. The Jewish law required that after a woman gives birth, that she's to give a lamb as an offering. But if you're too poor to afford a lamb, you can bring two birds instead. And that's what they do. They bring two birds to the dedication of Jesus. Isn't it ironic that they couldn't afford a sacrificial lamb for the sacrificial lamb? She had nothing on her resume that would be noticed. No impressive accomplishments, no special schooling, She's engaged to a man who has no power or influence. He's just a simple carpenter. Mary would not have made the list of most powerful people. If there was a list of the least powerful people, she might have made that list. 
But here's the thing. She makes God's list. She makes God's list of highly favored. So what's God's criteria? What does God look at? What characteristics are on his list? I think there is one quality about Mary's life that puts her on God's highly favored list. She was just a humble servant. That I'm just a humble servant. Here's the bottom line. Is humility opens the door to God's favor in your life. Don't miss this. It is humility that makes you a candidate for God's favor in your life and for God's blessing in your life. The humility opens the door for God's favor. James reminds us in the Bible, in the New Testament, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, which means that if you have a problem with pride, not only are you blocking God's favor in your life, but God will actually oppose you. God is opposing you. If you want God's favor in your life, it does not happen outside of humility. It does not happen outside of humility. Mary sings a song, and it's become known, this song has become known as the Magnificat. And in Latin, what that means is to glorify. And so I thought I would sing it for you, but since I don't know what the tone is, the tune is, I'm just going to read it for you. You're welcome. And this is what she writes. This is her song as she begins to glorify God. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. See, humility opens the door to God's favor in your life. And when we humbly take a knee before God and say, God, I surrender it all to you. God, I need your help. God, I've made a mess of my life, and I can't fix it on my own. God, my marriage is broken in a million pieces, but I know you are the only one who can bring it back together. God, I've blown it with my kids, but you're the one who can redeem anything. That when you come before God in humility, you become a candidate for God's favor. See, there's two things about humility that really define what it is. And we see both of these in the life of Mary. That this is what humility is. Number one, it's to have an appropriate view of yourself. Humility is to have this appropriate view of yourself. This is what we see in Mary's life. Mary says, I'm just a humble servant. I'm just here to serve God. She has an appropriate view of who she is in light of who God is. That she is all about magnifying God. You cannot magnify God if you're still trying to make yourself look big. You cannot put the spotlight on God if you refuse to get off the stage. So Mary answers the question, who am I? I'm just the Lord's servant. It's to have an appropriate view of yourself. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. 
See, humility is not being a doormat. That's not what humility is. Humility is not meaning you just let everybody take advantage of you. That's not what it means. It means that you have this appropriate view of yourself. And Mary still has all kinds of questions. She's still questioning all of these things. How is it all going to work out? But her response is, I'm just the Lord's servant. Humility is having an appropriate view of yourself. And here's the second thing. Humility is having an appropriate view of God. It's you beginning to see how big God is and how powerful God is. And Mary says, for the mighty one has done great things. His mercy extends to those who fear him, not only in my generation, but all generations to come. He has brought down rulers and thrones, and he's kept his promises. Humility See, it's not only having an appropriate view of yourself, it's an appropriate view of God. And here's what we learn about God, that no word from God will ever fail. Maybe you need that today. Maybe you just need to know that God is good for his promises, that no word from God will ever fail. Let me tell you, you can bank on God's promises. And it's beginning to ask, do you believe that God is big enough to take care of whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing today? See, it's humility. Humility opens the door to God's favor in your life. Humility is what God uses to lift you up. See, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And maybe today you just need God's grace. Maybe you just need God's hand on your life. Humility opens up that door to God's favor. I love this scripture out of Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and he took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless obedient life and then he died a selfless obedient death and the worst kind of death at that a crucifixion this is the one that we serve this is the one that we adore this is the life that Jesus showed us it's a life of humility and here's how I want to close our time together I want to give you an opportunity to submit yourselves to Jesus. For you to take a step towards God. That for some of you in here, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. But your pride has gotten in the way. And it's time to lay down your pride at the foot of Jesus. The foot of the cross. To let him take it. To say, I, I'm going to give up all of this because I want Jesus. There's others of you who are not yet followers of Christ. 
And my challenge for you is why not today finally submit yourself to him? That if you want a relationship with God, it doesn't start when you get your life all together. It starts when you just humbly lay yourself before God and say, I can't do it anymore. I'm receiving Jesus and asking him to do it for me. And so for some of you, today will be the day that you make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. I just want to pray for you. I just want to ask you just to bow your heads. Maybe it's just beginning to pray those words, God, I submit my life to you. I lay my pride at Jesus' feet. God, clean up anything in me that needs my attention. I'm your servant. Maybe for some of you, you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus. And right now, you're going to say, I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. I submit and surrender my life to him. You can do that now. It's time to stop running. God, we thank you. We thank you for the example of Jesus, who even though he had equality with you, he he laid down his life on the cross for us. God, we thank you for, for the grace that comes through him. God, for people who are taking a step towards God right now, God, I pray that you would just show your power in their life. Thank you for the example of Mary, this incredible woman that you chose to carry the very Son of God and the humility that we see come from her and her life. God, we want to be highly favored like her. So work in us. Do your work through us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.